You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 213 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well as well. Uh, first, well, first week of the regular season, first week of uh, fantasy hockey, and uh, all <laughs> I'm going to say is I, I'm not off to a good start in goal. I have both Flurry and uh, Francouz, and uh, they let in like combined, like I think, twelve goals in one night. So it's uh, not going well so far for me. Well, I had uh, I had set my lineups ahead of time because it was a busy week, obviously, um, as you said, first week of the regular season. And somehow Yahoo didn't get Arturi Lekkonen in my uh, lineup. He was on the bench for that sparkling um, opening night uh, uh, performance. Um, so goals, assists, power play points. Uh, I missed out on that. So I've got some catching up to do. Yeah, I do not trust Yahoo to set the lineup no. for the week. Uh, you got to go through and uh, spend a few minutes doing it all yourself if that's how it's going to go. Lesson learned. Uh, but it's it's exciting for uh, fans. Uh, the first Saturday game, uh, although it's not at the Bell Center, um, uh, on the road, but the first Saturday game of the regular season always has a little special ring to it. And we'll uh, we'll get started on this podcast episode we have a lot of different stuff to talk about uh, as it was the first week of nhl hockey in uh, the 2022-2023 season start things off we're going to get you all up to date on everything habs there was a win this week so that's going to give us plenty to talk about there on its own and in the segment uh, we have a few quotes of the week from uh, nick suzuki and Derek lalonde in segment two we're going to take a deep dive on the habs offense uh we'll I'll uh, not give any spoilers right here, but uh, there's uh, quite a few topics within that as well. And that should bring us to segment three. Uh, It's the Have Your Say segment. Uh, We want to hear from you, our uh, Canadians Connection question of the week. Will Jonathan Druin find a regular role on this team this season? What's uh, the best way for our listeners to let us know, Rick? 
Well, you can reach out to us uh, via our Rocket Sports uh, text line uh, 24 hours a day. You can text us 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKETS. Very easy to remember. Uh, just send us a text and, and uh, let us know what you're thinking about. If you have a little bit more to say, and uh, uh, several of our listeners uh, have this past week, you can send us an email. And the, uh, the email address is info at allhabs.net. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also make sure you check out the website canadiansconnection.com. So make sure you check out all our comprehensive post-game recaps and previews at uh, allhabs.net for every Canadians game this season. Um, the Canadians have begun their 82 regular season schedule. And that goes that started back on October the 12th against Toronto. It was the home opener. And the Habs come away with a victory, 4-3. to three. Uh, It was the debut of three Habs rookies, Jacki, Slavkovsky, and Gouli. And a last-minute comeback, 18 seconds left, Montreal pulls away, and uh, they have that one goal lead that they managed to hang on to. And, uh, well, too bad for Toronto. It was uh, it was a very entertaining game. Um, and uh, one of the it, – it's, it's kind of rare, or it has been – Typically, the, the Canadians play the Leafs on the opening night, but typically it's been in Toronto, this one at the Bell Centre. Um, an entertaining game for the uh, 21,105 in the building, but but even more fans um, um, around the world watching were, were thoroughly entertained. Um, the, the rivalry, the... You know, it, it doesn't much matter um, when these two teams meet that that they're going in different directions, and and I think we can be uh, honest about that. Um, but it was well, it was a it was a it, it was a game with a lot of different aspects to it. You mentioned um, three rookies; they got out there for for their uh, solo laps, as it were. Except three of them did it together. Um, but it was also first for, um, you know, Sean Monaghan, first time uh, he played um, uh, in a Canadian's jersey. Um, Jonathan Kovacevic, uh, first time he played in, in a Canadian's jersey. And, um, you know, it's not as if uh, players like uh, Jordan Harris have a lot of uh, experience either. And we remember that, that um, well, it wasn't always uh, we can remember when when the Canadians played before empty bell centers. So uh, this was this was uh, pretty special, uh, and the outcome obviously very special. It's always great uh, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit, and uh, I think we have some audio from Brendan Gallagher who uh, talks about Carey Price, who received a standing ovation. Everyone knows what Pricey was as a hockey player. Not a lot of people know, uh, you know, what he is as a person and as a as a teammate and a friend. And there's some guys that in here that really haven't experienced it. But it's so good to see the the city and the fans embrace him the way he deserves. Uh, you know, I'm, if I had my vote, uh, there'll be a statue of him built pretty soon outside the building. And I think he deserves everything. He uh, he competed, he battled, he pushed his body to limits. And you never know with him. Uh, but you know, if we never see him again on the ice, he's uh, he deserves every ovation that that he can manage. Well, um, that was, as I said, part of, of opening night is, uh, the, is the ceremony ahead of the game itself. And uh, one of the um, parts of the ceremony was uh, introducing all of the inactive players. 
Uh, Carey Price was the last to be in, of that grouping was the last to be introduced. And it was, it was as loud as the building was all night. The ovation was tremendous for Carey Price. Uh, he came out in his, his cowboy hat and, uh, and uh, fist pumped uh, several fans who were nearby tipped his uh, hat to, to the fans. The, the, the ovation was deafening. Uh, well-deserved donation uh, um, ovation, and and Brent, you heard Brendan Gallagher saying he uh, Carey Price deserves every bit of it, and if it were up to him, uh, there'd be a statue being built right now uh, in front of the Bell Center. Carey Price, um, yeah, the the knock is is uh, uh, that he doesn't have uh, a Stanley Cup, but um, you know it's a team game, and you need <laughs> you need uh, you need a team to be able to. Uh, win a Stanley Cup. Carey Price did more with less than any other uh, Canadians goaltender and uh, along the way set records, um, most m- most of, of Canadians goaltending records. And when you're, you know, when you have an organization with Jacques Plant and Patrick Waugh and Ken Dryden, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, we're talking about him as if in the past, uh, that decision hasn't yet to be made, and we'll we'll talk about that in the, in a minute. But it was a we're talking about it now because it was a real special part of the opening night and those um, those uh, pregame ceremonies. Yeah, not to get into it too much, but uh, Lundqvist and Luongo, neither one of these guys have cups either, and uh, I would argue that Price probably had a, a better career than either one of those. Maybe you might want to debate me on that, but uh, that's how I feel about it, and. Uh, I don't always agree with what Brendan Gallagher has to say in his media availability, but uh, I agree with every word he had to say there that uh, good on him uh, to speak so highly of Carrie and uh, hopefully we can get that big statue right in front of Bell Center. Now, do you agree with what Mitch Marner says in his, uh, in his media availabilities? Uh, maybe not so often, but uh, when asked about Carrie Price, uh, Mitch Marner said, uh, I've watched Carey play for a long time, whether it's at the World Cup, the Olympics, or Junior World Champion Championship. He's always been special to watch. I, um, he knew he could make his opponent's night difficult. He's quite a competitor. Obviously, hockey miss misses Carey. But life and family must come before hockey. The most important thing is to take care of yourself and to be respectful and present uh, for the people you love. Um yeah, I, I think that, you know, poll after poll after poll, um, you know, said the, the when when NHL players were polled, uh, who would you want? Uh, game seven, everything on the line for the Stanley Cup. Who would you want uh, tending the crease? And the answer was always Carey Price or, uh, you know, the opposite. Who do you not want to face in that situation? And it was always Carey Price. So um, it was... Again, uh, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but uh, uh, there was a tribute that night, and and players who know, uh, who who know uh, what he gave to this organization, both within uh, the Canadians like Brendan Gallagher and and a rival like uh, like the Leafs in Mitch Marner, had uh, really glowing things to say about Carey Price. And we'll have a little bit more on Carey Price later in the segment. I will uh, finish off our game recaps. There was a, a, a Friday night game last night. Uh, luckily, it was not a 10 p.m. start, so I was able to rest up and get ready for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, Detroit comes away with a 3 nothing victory. 
37 saves for Jake Allen, who absolutely stood on his head. Uh, probably well-deserved second star of that game. Uh, Detroit led shooting 40 to 29. Uh, the wings didn't manage to score any goals until the third period. And uh, when they did, uh, they tacked on an extra two empty netters. So it was uh, zero zero after the first period. Um, and that was after uh, Jake Allen had made 25 saves, 25 of his 37 saves came in the first period. He was very busy um, the, the Canadians had nothing, they, they had nothing to counter and, and, uh, uh, they couldn't generate, uh, any offense to speak of, um, zero high, uh, danger scoring chances in the first period, zero high danger scoring chances in the second period. They only had two, the entire game at five on five, um, 14 to two in that category, uh, high danger scoring chances were, uh, the the Red Wings to the Canadians, so not generating uh, any offense, um, it, uh, it it was difficult and and um, for our own group uh, for our Rocket Sports team in Slack, I, I posted the uh, the shot charts um, where the shots where the Canadian shots came from um, in the first and second period. Um, and they, they, they should have absolutely no expectation that they were going to score, um, you know, uh, Sean Monaghan, a 47 foot shot from near center ice, um, uh, was counted Caden Gooley, uh, from his own goal line. Uh, it was, um, uh, measured by the, the, the uh, NHL folks at 173 foot wrist shot, um, you're not going to score on many of those. And, and even Cole Caulfield from outside the circle and, uh, the, in the first period, the Canadians didn't generate anything. Um, it was, it was, it was tough for, tough for Yuri Slavkovsky. Uh, he played under 10 minutes, uh, tough for Rem Pitlick, um, and tough for Caden Gooley. Um, he missed part of that first period, um, taken back down by Oscar Sunquist. That line, um, <laughs> that I think it was the third line for Detroit, or is the second line? Oscar Sunquist, six three, two twenty. Michael Rasmussen, six uh, six. Elmer Soderblom, six eight, two forty six, something like that. Uh, and it was Sunquist that took down Caden Gooley. Looked to be a bit of a shoulder injury, missed part of the first period, but was able to come back. Um, it was uh, it it was it was tough. It was a a, a great team effort. Uh, it was uh, a game that Derek Lalonde completely outcoached Marty Saint Louis, um, and uh, it was uh, you know there were there were some good moments. Um, I mean Sean Monahan um, for a guy who you know there was a question mark beside his name. Is this guy going to be ready to start the regular season? He's been the he's been the Canadians' best forward by far in the first two games, um, and dominant on in, uh, at the faceoff dot. Um, but there's, there's, there's some work to do. And, and, you know, we, we were re- reminded again last night that, uh, this is, a this is a team that's not going to be complete competing for a, a playoff spot this season. Lost in all this too, is we got to see Ben Sherratt, who is yeah. uh, 
doing Ben Sherratt things. He went after Brendan Gallagher a little bit. A uh, bit of a mismatch, but you know what? Uh, Gallagher seemed to hold his own. And but, uh, and Gallagher went after him as well. And and that was that was in the pregame. Gallagher said um, he hoped uh, that Ben wouldn't be friendly because he had no plans to be friendly with Ben. And and recalled uh, that when uh, Sherratt was in Winnipeg, that they had some epic battles in front of the net. And and um, Gallagher was hoping for a bit of that last night. I I think he got it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he got it a little bit. Uh, I don't think he was on the winning end of it, no, but no. it definitely happened. <laughs> it did. It, indeed, it did. But, uh, the Canadians' record is 1-1-0, and so they're at 500. Maybe they'll push for the playoffs. We'll see. We'll keep you up to date. Uh, and please make sure you check out Habs Notepad and Habs Headlines uh, as posts appear regularly at allhabs.net. So taking a look at uh, the Canadians' roster, uh, as it happened earlier in the week, uh, the Canadians announced their 22-man roster for opening night. And spoiler alert, it did include Slavkovsky and Caden Gooley. Uh, the final cuts were made from training camp uh, as uh, forwards Raphael, Harvey Pinard, uh, Yessa Ulanen, Justin Barron, Otto Leskinen, and goaltender Caden Primo each uh, were assigned to Laval. Uh, after forward Paul Byron was placed on LTIR, they created enough cap space for them to call up Arbor Jackai, who uh, did make his Canadians debut this past week. And uh, I, I don't know, how did you feel about Jackai uh, in those games? He, he looked, um, I, he had great moments. He was physical. Um, I, I liked him a little bit against the Leafs, but uh, he looked uh, overwhelmed at times. And I, I think that's fair. Um, I think it's fair that uh, they want the physicality. They want the, a guy with edge in the lineup. And, and that guy is going to be, um, it's, it's going to be Jackai until Joel Edmondson returns. And, and then um, I think Jackai uh, will head to uh, Laval and, and uh, you know, positioning and, and all, he still has a lot to learn and, and, and no knock on that. He's, he's just fresh out of junior hockey. And, and uh, um, I, I think I just, the, the smile on his face, he was enjoying the moment. Um, Slavkovsky as well. Slavkovsky with, uh, um, his dad, who spent 15 hours on a plane coming from uh, Slovakia to be there for opening night, uh, seated beside Philip Mashar. Um, you know, he was he came out when he was introduced with a big smile. Um, and and Caden Gooley, maybe, uh, um, you know, maybe uh, a little calmer or doesn't show his emotions as much, but he had to be thrilled and had a big family contingent. So I think all three, three of those players... Um, um, enjoyed uh, their first games. Caden uh, Gooley was uh, looked like he he belonged and and uh, looked like a first pairing defenseman. Uh, the other guys have have uh, both um, uh, Slavkovsky and and Jack. I have uh, a bit of work to do, and that might include uh, a, a trip to Laval or two uh, during the season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jack, I paired up with uh, Chris Weidman uh, throughout parts of those two games. Looked like Weidman was trying to do a lot while yeah. Jack I seemed a little bit confused. There are a few replays that uh, you can go back and watch and see exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, Jack I, great story. Uh, he's become a fan favorite. Uh, hopefully, he's able to develop into a really good, uh, very physical defenseman. He seems like the type of guy that will throw other teams off their game very quickly when he has his way. 
for sure. Defenseman Logan Mayu was assigned to the London Knights of the OHL uh, last season. He spent four months in London. He got into 12 games, had that season-ending injury, which was kind of unfortunate. And Mashar, who made his debut with Laval last night, is being loaned to the Kitchener Rangers. Probably the right call for both of their development. Uh, and if you want to keep an eye on the OHL, there are plenty of Habs prospects to keep an eye on there. That's true. And we we got a sense of that when Ken Hughes uh, spoke to the media uh, earlier this week um, for both uh, for both of those uh, des- outlining the destination for both of those players. Uh, with respect to Mashar, um, you know, there was question um, if he would stay in Laval. And um, we understand it was it was Mashar's preference. Um, but Kent Hughes said he would rather uh, Philippe Mashar go, go to the uh, Kitchener Rangers and put up 80 points rather than, uh, say, 40 points uh, with Laval. He thought that was far more beneficial for his development. And if... If development, if there's more development going on in Kitchener, that's obviously the the right place for him. Logan Mayo just hasn't played a lot of hockey the the last couple of years because of of injury situations. Uh, so um, he's going to go uh, to London. Um, not the best team in London this year, but he'll have a chance to play a lot of minutes uh, and and dominate there. Uh, I th- I thought it was nice uh, that the Canadians uh, kept him with the team. Um, as long as as uh, they did, and and uh, and he got an op- opportunity recovering from that shoulder uh, situation, um, so didn't get into any uh, exhibition games, but but stayed and practiced uh, as late as any uh, any of the the prospects with uh, with the Canadians. So a nice tip of the hat to him. And some bad news for uh, Montreal defense. Mike Matheson was placed on injured reserve. He'll be out long-term, potentially like eight weeks, something like that. Corey Schooneman was recalled from uh, Laval to fill in for him. Schooneman we saw a little bit last season. He seems like the type of guy that can step in and be unnoticeable, which is kind of a good thing for a defenseman. Again, it was Ken Hughes that kind of signaled what was coming. Um, He said... um that uh, that at that time when he spoke that uh, Mike Matheson was having an MRI uh, and he said his expectation was that it wasn't going to be months, uh, it was going to be weeks. Well, eight weeks turns out to be two months. So yes, uh, it's a big blow. Um, Matheson, who was expected to play a lot, uh, take a lot of minutes, and even at that, uh, uh, there was going to be uh, a, a fair bit of time for the young um, rookies uh, in the Canadians lineup or, or the young defensemen. And, and uh, uh, it, there's a bigger burden uh, certainly on them. And there's a bigger burden on David Savard as well. Um, so uh, an abdominal strain for um, Mike Matheson and uh, uh, talking about two months that he'll be missing. And I swear this is the last defenseman we'll uh, talk about before we get into all <laughs> offense in the second segment. Uh, Canadian signed defenseman uh, William Trudeau to a three-year entry-level contract. Uh, Trudeau's a pretty decent uh, prospect, a good puck-moving defenseman. Uh, through times at camp, he looked pretty decent. Other times, uh, you could see that there was some gaps in his uh, play when he's in his own zone. But uh, I think this is a good signing. He's another guy that you'll want to keep an eye on. 
a bit of a surprise. Um, 113th overall, fourth round pick in in the 21, uh, 2021 draft. Um, yes, he, he, everything you said, I, I agree with. Um, he at times he looks. Uh, uh, you you could get a sense of of what kind of player he'll be. Um, he's played three years in the queue with, uh, with Charlottetown. He'll be back there this season and, and, uh, will be able to, um, uh, dominate and, and, um, and, and, and learn and improve his game and come back, uh, training camp next season and, and, uh, probably spend some time in LaBelle. Circling back to Carrie Price, as promised, uh, Carrie will meet with the media next week to update us on his status. Um, I'm going to leave uh, Rick to maybe speculate on what that might be about. Uh, I know that he's floated some things out there via the athletics as well. Yeah, and the, the athletic had a one-on-one uh, phone call with him uh, this week. It was, um, we noticed uh, Kerry Price on his Instagram had asked, uh, is there anyone in the um, Granby uh, area that has a farm um, that would allow me to go hunting? Um, and, uh, apparently somebody responded and, and complied. And so, um, on Tuesday morning, when, when this phone call with the athletic took place, uh, Carrie Price was hunting for white-tailed deer in the Granby area. Um, and it was, um, you know, he was there for, for opening night. He was there at times during training camp, but I think training camp was difficult for him, um, being there and, and, and he needed to, um, get his mind, uh, you know, off uh, his the reality of his situation. So a week before he came to Montreal, he was in Western Canada, uh, in Alberta, uh, elk hunting with his family. Then came and and uh, uh, to to training camp and and was hanging around, but needed to spend some time um, keeping his brain busy. Uh, was was his explanation, and that is because uh, it was so difficult for him to, to, um, come to grips with the fact that, um, you know, things with respect to his knee aren't going well. Uh, he revealed that, um, that, that it's not just, uh, putting on the pads and getting on the ice that causes swelling that day-to-day life, uh, causes, uh, swelling. He said, uh, quote, my knee isn't doing great. Uh, I'm still not walking up a set of stairs pain-free. I still don't feel like my knee's in a place where I'm going to be able to play hockey. Uh, I'm getting swelling in my knee, even in my day-to-day living. It's not a great outlook as far as a hockey career when you're struggling to get up and down stairs, uh, end quote. Uh, so that's, that's, not, that, that's difficult for Carey Price. That's difficult for the Montreal uh, Canadiens. And, and it's, it's difficult for fans to, to hear. Um, and and what's what's ahead for him and 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 his goal is to to try and be pain free um he's he's his first priority is his family he's got uh three kids uh two daughters live in millie and and his son lincoln uh he wants to be able to get up and down and and uh play with them and play soccer and get on the ice with lincoln and um and and do that uh, have a pain free life and and right now that's not possible um so the option is for him to um have have surgery again um and this surgery would be rather um he calls it intrusive it would be and 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 it would be risky 
Um, the issue is that he has a large hole, as he describes it, in the cartilage of his knee, um, and they would take a, a, a piece of bone and cartilage from elsewhere and, and try to repair that. If you've never had a surgery before, if you've never had had um, uh, any kind of uh, situation there before, the success rate is apparently, um, so say the folks at Mayo Clinic, 72%. It, it drops dramatically uh, if you've had any kind of previous surgery on that knee area, as is the case for, for Price. So, um, and, and it's not the only problem. He also revealed that he has, uh, there's a whole chain in that same leg. Uh, he has a hip issue. He has an ankle issue. He has back issues. Um, he says, uh, it's other parts of my body that are screaming at me too. Um, so this, this doesn't sound good, uh, for the rest of his career. Um, but you know, he said, I, I still have some unfinished business. I still want to win. Um, so you can, this is, this is, this is tormenting him, this decision that he has ahead of him. Um, and I think, with that background, I, I, and I thought it was interesting that that information was put out there uh, this past week, uh, and, and we're likely to hear that and a little bit more. Uh, as Kent Hughes said, Kerry Price will speak to the media uh, this upcoming week. Uh, will we have any kind of a decision? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but um, one thing for sure, uh, you know, the, the money that's left on his, uh, on his contract and, and all of that, He's, he's due every penny for what he's given, for the way he's given his body to this organization. He's due every penny of, of uh, the dollars that, uh, that are, are outstanding. Uh, as far as impact, I, I still see uh, on, um, on social media people saying that, that somehow Carey Price is holding this team back uh, with respect to cap space. It's utter nonsense. Um, the, the Canadians have cap relief as as prices on LTIR um, and and it's not even dollars out of Jeff Molson's pocket because uh, that contract is insured uh, so there's no impact um, and whatever happens whatever decision um, I think we have to think in the best interest of Carey Price because it really doesn't have an effect uh, on the team other than you know if there was a healthy Carey Price uh, you know there would be <laughs> Uh, there would be there wouldn't be these questions about um, the future of uh, you know who was going to be in who's going to be the future number one goaltender. Um, anyway, I, I thought it, I think it, it was uh, an important part of the story. We should get the rest of the story um, as as much as is known uh, this upcoming week. Yeah, and of course, uh, we'll keep you up to date uh, with anything that we hear about it. Uh, it's always a difficult decision for any player when it comes to thinking about whether or not they're going to retire, stick around. And in the case of Carey Price, this is probably like a thousand times more difficult. You mentioned he has some unfinished business and like everything he means to the team and the city. It's going to be difficult and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I'd prefer not to speculate too much on what he has to say in that media availability. So now I think is a good time to take a look at our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. 
your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. The Laval Rocket went winless in their two-game exhibition schedule. Both games were in Belleville, uh, the first one against Toronto, the second one against Belleville. Uh, and, well, last night they played their first regular season game against Belleville, but in Laval, and they did not win that one either. Belleville came away with a 6-5 to five overtime win, uh, two points for Madison Bowie, and uh, three goals in the third period for Laval to send the game to overtime, but uh, the B-Sens still find a way to come away with a W. Yeah, good uh, start, good introduction for Madison Bowie. Um and uh, yes, Ulanen uh, had a nice goal um, and led the team in in shots on goal. Uh, Mitchell uh, Stevens, um, my namesake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to get the jersey. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, except last night, um, he got the boot. Um, a game misconduct uh, for a cross-checking penalty. So not a great start there. Not a great start necessarily for. Uh, Caden Primo, um, you know, he had a bit of a, a rough preseason, but was looking to uh, make a mark uh, in the AHL and uh, 32 saves on 38 shots, uh, allowed six last night. Also mentioned that uh, the AHL is doing a free preview of all the games on their website this weekend. So if you're interested in checking out uh, any AHL games, uh, just head over to uh, the AHL.com and uh, you can sign up for the free preview. Uh, there's a couple more games coming up uh, tonight, the 15th, Saturday. It's uh, Laval at Belleville. Let's see if they can break that losing streak. Uh, Belleville seems to be a little bit of a bad luck charm for them, but we'll see what happens there. And then if you want to head over into next week uh, on the Wednesday, October 19th, Springfield is going to visit Laval, and then Laval hits the road on the 21st, and they'll have another game against Wilkesbury Scranton, and uh, please be sure to read all the content at AHL.Report. You can also listen to and subscribe to the Press Zone. Uh, we're starting all the post-game recaps, so if you want to keep up to date with everything Laval Rocket, uh, make sure you head over to AHL.Report. Great Press Zone this past week. Um, you'll want to you'll wanna listen to it, and you'll want to subscribe to the Press Zone. Um, the Pressstone.fm, Amy and Patrick, uh, and, and the, just a reminder that the AHL hot stove is every single week. Patrick's on the show every single week. Uh, and, um, if you want to know about, uh, a player who spent most of their career in the AHL, you ask Patrick. And this week he talked, uh, really in depth about, uh, Jonathan Kovacevich and, uh, um, I, I, I think uh, if you're unfamiliar with a player like that, you'll want to uh, listen to what uh, Amy and Patrick talked about on, on the press. So just um, we, we like to get the pronunciations uh, of names uh, right. You've heard a number. Um, Yesa Ulanin is, is, is one of them. Um, but uh, Jonathan Kovacevic and, and even the spelling of his, of Jonathan is, is difficult, but, uh, he said it's Kovacevic. That's how uh, his name, uh, he wishes it to be uh, pronounced. Uh, he says that his father was born in Montenegro, his mother in Serbia, uh, but then they met in Canada and that he was born in Niagara Falls. Uh, so I'll put all that together. and It's Jonathan Kovacevic. Just uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Jonathan Kovacevic, that's correct? Very well done. Perfect. So everybody can uh, listen back to that and practice on their own. 
So now it's uh, time for our quotes of the week. Uh, we got a quote from Nick Suzuki on uh, creating offense against Detroit. Yeah, I think they were um, like a one-one-three pretty much all game, uh, even off face-offs, and they just dropped back. And I think um, for us, it's just about being more patient. I think we tried to rush a lot of stuff and just ended up playing into their hands. What does all that mean? I think they were one-one-three pretty much all game. Um, I we're going to talk about this more uh, in uh, in the second segment, uh, the big topic segment about creating offense. But why weren't the Canadians able to create anything, uh, much of anything? Uh, as we said, two high danger scoring chances um, against Detroit, and and it's not like Detroit is um, you know they're they're a rebuilding team too. Um, and, and uh, but it, it was uh, a, a game plan that uh, that that Detroit w- uh, recognized that uh, um, Marty St. Louis has has made the Canadians into a rush first team, a scoring off the rush team. So that what Nick uh, Suzuki is describing here is that uh, for the most part, the the Detroit Red Wings were in a prevent um they were lined up um one one three uh so that the canadians had a real difficult time getting anywhere near Vili Husso uh last night um they tried to rush over and over and over again to create off the rush uh and 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 as nick suzuki said they just ended up playing into the hands of of detroit uh, they were kind of banging their heads against the wall all night. So uh, very insightful. We know Nick Suzuki's a very smart player. He was able to analyze the situation. Unfortunately, Marty St. Louis wasn't able to make the in-game adjustments to be able to counter that uh, uh, defense that uh, Detroit was putting up. Yeah, really good coaching by Derek Lalonde in that game. And uh, we actually got some audio from Derek Lalonde talking about his game plan against the Canadians. Since Marty took over, they are a really good rush team. Statistically, a good rush team. They get offense off the rush. Um, they produce off the rush. And if you're going to give them the rush, it's going to be a long night. And I think it's a perfect challenge for us where we're trying to improve some things in our game is going to be an exact result of hopeful give our chefs a chance for success against Montreal. If we're going to feed them easy offense off the rush, it's going to be a long night. Why are we playing quotes by the opposition co- um, coach? Um, Cause you can learn a lot, <laughs> learn an awful lot. Um, interesting thing. And we didn't say in the setup is uh, that quote, that interview was on Thursday, a day ahead of, of the, um, of, of the game. And uh, Derek Lalonde laid it out. This, this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, it wasn't all secretive. It wasn't a, a secret game plan. He said, here's our game plan. Um, the Canadians uh, under Marty St. Louis, uh, and I think he said, we're the third best team off the rush, uh, creating offense, third best, and, and we're going to shut that down. As best we can, we're going to shut that down. Um, and, and they did just that, uh, particularly for, uh, the first 40 minutes of the game. Um, 
how does Derek Lalonde get so smart? Well, he's he's he described himself, and in fact, one of the um, uh, Montreal reporters asked him on Thursday um, to describe his career path, which they said is is the polar opposite of the way uh, Marty St. Louis came uh, to uh, the National Hockey League as a as a head coach. Derek Lalonde is a career coach. Um, he has 27 years of experience coaching. Not a marquee name by any means, um, but a real smart hire uh, by um, Steve Eiserman, who makes who <laughs> makes it his business uh, to make st- uh, smart hires. Um, and uh, Derek Lalonde has coached at every every level, NCAA. Um, ECHL, AHL, NHL, and was part of John Cooper's staff uh, for the Stanley Cup winning uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and and learned a lot of things there, obviously. Um, but it doesn't stop there. Bob Bugner is an assistant coach for, for Detroit. Um, and, and he has uh, 20 years of experience, 15 years of experience, sorry, uh, in in the OHL, in in the uh, NHL, uh, and was once considered one of the bright young coaches, bright young new coaches, uh, especially for what he did uh, in Windsor. Um, maybe not a, a, a household name. Jay Faraday, another guy that nobody's ever heard of that is a career coach, started at Union College as the assistant coach in the NCAA in 2000, has been a coach for 20 years um, in the WHL, in in uh, the AHL, uh, and and then in the NHL, these guys have a ton of experience, uh, and they they studied the Canadians. They knew what the Canadians were going to bring. They knew what the Canadians, uh, how they created offense, and they set a game plan in motion uh, to shut it down. And interestingly, they shared that. Um, and and um, I, I thought it was. Uh, a fascinating contrast in 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 coaching and coaching styles. Yeah, very interesting that that came out a day early. Um, I guess Martin St. Louis didn't get the memo of this one. And uh, interesting that there's a coach that seems to do a lot of homework and have a lot of knowledge on the other team's game plans. Uh, I mean, Derek Lalonde, uh, just hearing to him speak, he seems like a terrific hire f- for Detroit, like you said, and... Uh, Honestly, uh, if I know anything from that game last night, the three nothing win for Detroit, uh, it, it was good coaching that really just won uh, Detroit that game. So, you know what? Uh, keep an eye on Derek Lalonde. And and there- that's not to say that um, that that the Detroit Red Wings are you know are are competing for a Stanley Cup any anytime soon. They're a rebuilding team. They have they have uh, assets. They have uh, they have things they need to work on. Uh, but it's just um, putting your strengths forward, and and uh, um, you know the Canadians were able to beat uh, in the opening night game on Wednesday um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are purported to be um, you know as they are every year uh, a Stanley Cup contender, a, a playoff bound team. But they were able to do that because Toronto gave up. Um, I, I I lost count of how many odd man breaks uh, that uh, Toronto gave up and they had a horrible goaltending. Um, defensively, Toronto was a mess in that game. Uh, a weaker team, uh, in quotes, uh, so to speak, in Detroit, and they were able to handle um, 
they were able to handle uh, the, the Canadians because of good systems, because of a good game plan. I agree. Very well said. And uh, something uh, Derek Lalonde did say in his uh, media availability that uh, might speak to have fans a little bit more. It's a little bit uh, nicer. Uh, he has some fond memories of the Montreal Ex- Expos. I loved them all back in the day. Um, probably Tim Raines, uh, switch hitting leadoff hitter, um, steel bases. Like uh, So just growing up where the passion for the Expos I had growing up, uh, the small town, Brazier Falls, New York, we're probably about an hour, 15 minutes you know, over the border uh, through traffic into Montreal, right to the Big O. But we had four people in our town. They had season tickets. And uh, just a small town, they would rotate them around. People would go. I went all the time as a young kid. And that the big O and that AstroTurf, you'd walk in and it looked bigger. And they had the, you're smiling, but they had the double scoop. <laughs> Remember the double scoop ice creams? I might be outdating myself on that thing. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, you get me there, two double scoops, and let's watch some Expo baseball. So, yeah, yeah that was, uh, I had a big passion for them. It, it was a fascinating interview. He talked about, um, his, his love for Montreal, how Montreal is a special place, how even when Tampa Bay came in about, uh, he and John Cooper going and watching all the game day skates because it was Montreal. They didn't always do that in, in, uh, every, every town, uh, about the being original six, but then, uh, being such a short distance growing up, um, in, in, uh, in Northern New York state uh, that he went to Montreal and and was a big Expos fan and and uh, I, I, th- I thought that was was fascinating and and another side of of uh, uh, coaches that you don't uh, normally hear and and uh, a fan of of the Montreal Expos Tim Raines and uh, double scoops of ice cream <laughs> I could definitely go for a double scoop right about now too, yeah so. uh, now we're gonna get on to some uh, hockey news and notes from around the league uh, well, the NHL's digitally enhanced Dasher boards were unveiled this past week, and we have a reaction. I'll uh, start with you, Rick. Well, um, it, I, the technology is fascinating. And, and again, to kind of recap what we talked about last week, that the NHL has unveiled a, a, a new uh, electronic uh, way of replacing the advertising, the local advertising, or so they call it, on the boards in NHL rinks, all the all the ads that are physically placed on uh, on on the boards um, can be digitally on the TV broadcast erased and replaced, um, so that they can get a new set of advertisers for national or international or regional. Um, and uh, you know, I I can admire the technology. It's 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 fascinating, and there there were some glitches where the, uh, you know the the ad started to kind of stutter and fly, or when um, the bench door opens in the middle of an ad, it was kind of because they're superimposing it kind of the way they do um, with the first down line in in um, in the NFL, but but far more complex. Uh, so it it was. It was fascinating that that all of us that the ads were clearer. Um, you could you could have the entire rink can be one ad repeated throughout, um, and so it was it was far more impactful. Um, there was motion on, like it, you know, um, I'm I'm giving you, whether it was a 
uh, for an airline or for FedEx or whatever, and you have a truck running around this. There was a lot of motion. Uh, obviously, it's not distracting for the players because uh, it's only on TV. You can't see it in the rink. And and uh, the only only way you know is is when they do the close-up shots, uh, the, the close-up camera, the ads are completely different. They're, they're the local ones. They're the ones that are affixed to the boards themselves. Um, I thought it was it was fascinating. I I think the technology is amazing. Uh, I understand why it would be appealing to advertisers. A uh, couple things I don't understand: uh, if you're if you're paint if you're paying for those ads that stick to the boards, you should be getting an enormous discount because a lot fewer people are seeing your ads. Uh, that I that I'd like to know more about. The other thing is. If the, the NHL is capable of doing this level of technology with respect to advertising, how about technology with respect to improving the game? You know, like the offsides um, and uh, sensors in the goal line uh, that we've heard about for years. How about the player tracking system um, that we've heard for years and has been, but apparently those things, the things that that would actually improve the game are less a priority technology wise than putting up, um, you know, putting in a system to please the advertisers. And I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in that. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's uh, definitely a good thing to point out there. Uh, it's been years we've been hearing about, you know, a sensor in the goal line. That's not happened, but we can uh, superimpose and have moving advertisements uh, on uh, the boards my reaction to them is a little bit different than yours. I'm going to be honest. I barely noticed them at all. I don't know if I was just hyper focused on other things, but I didn't really see them throughout most of the games I watched. Um, the extent was I had a friend say, Hey, look how bright those are. And I, yeah, they looked a lot brighter. They're a lot clearer to see. And anytime I tried to look over at them, they seemed to be a different advertisement. And I, I didn't remember what the previous advertisement was. So I'm not sure that that's working out so well. Uh, we'll see how things go this season. Uh, kind of, it's too bad that uh, it, it's distracting for a lot of people. Uh, I've heard that a lot throughout the social media and just from talking to people. We'll see where it goes. Um, I don't know if I necessarily like this business venture for them, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll see how things play out this season. We've had a couple big transactions go down uh, across the NHL. Uh, the first one goes to the Buffalo Sabres out of all the teams. Uh, they signed defenseman uh, Matthias Samuelson to a seven-year contract worth $30 million. Uh, Samuelson's a big defenseman uh, with very limited NHL experience. This is a pretty big swing by uh, Kevin Adams, and I guess that's a signal that uh, Kevin Adam Adams has been given the go to maybe sign some bigger contracts. I don't think Buffalo has been able to do that in a while. Yeah, that's, it's very interesting. And uh, uh, two big pieces of news out of Buffalo this uh, week. Uh, one was uh, the individualized goal songs and who picked what. Um, and the other was uh, this, this major signing of, a, of, of um, kind of under the radar player that people said, Really? Um, has he scored a goal for Buffalo yet in his nope. career? Uh, but uh, walking away with uh, $30 million over seven years. So uh, a nice uh, nice paycheck for him. Another defenseman, uh, 
walked away with a pretty big contract as well. This time it's the Philadelphia Flyers who have signed Travis Sanheim to an eight-year contract extension. I believe that's going to make this nine years of Travis Sanheim in Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia definitely likes Sanheim. I don't know that I like him eight years enough, but uh, I, I know you're a bigger fan of this guy, aren't you, Rick? I've liked uh, Travis Sanheim ever since uh, watched him in the WHL and played for the Calgary Hitmen. Um, just a great skater. I want to skate like him when I grow up. Uh, tremendous skater, um, mean, plays with an edge, physical. Um, you know, he's got size and um, he, he's not going to get you a lot of points. Um, but uh, a real unique element, um, you know, a big tough player who can, who can uh, play, uh, who can skate well and move well. And, and uh, so you can understand why he fits so well in, in Philly and, uh, and why uh, they would want to lock him up. And lastly, uh, members of the Colorado Avalanche received uh, their Stanley Cup rings. Obviously, they were the Stanley Cup winning team last season. And uh, wow, beautiful rings. You loved the look of them, all the little gems and stuff. And uh, nice to see uh, former Habin Arturi Lekkanen receive his cup ring. Yeah, we're, we're all really happy for Arturi Lekkanen. Um, with, with most uh, of the stories we do, there is a Canadian's connection, Arturi Lekkanen being the one here. Uh, but also the, the rings are... Um, they're, they're just gorgeous. Uh, maybe gaudy. Yes, but that's what they're, that's what they're supposed to. They're, they're $50,000 rings a piece. Um, you know, the final product of this, uh, for this year for the avalanche, uh, is an 18.5 carat ring, 669 diamonds, 42 rubies, 20 sapphires. Um, and the interesting thing with the ring ma- maker um, Josen's was, uh, it says it, they, their quote was that it's their job to tell the story of the team and the franchise. So, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, six rubies in the, in the, the logo of, of Colorado in the A Y six. That was the number of games that it took the avalanche to beat the lightning. Um, 22 carats uh, in the 19 diamonds in the snow. That's because the family that owns the team has owned it for 22 years. You get the, the, there's always a meaning 72 diamonds on the right hand side of the ring. That was one for every um, regular season and playoff win. Um, And, and Joe Sackick, uh, there was 19 diamonds in, in his honor. That's, that's kind of the way these things are designed and, and they come out and they were presented uh, to the players and their families at a dinner and they all opened the box at the same time. Uh, the rings were gorgeous. They lit up the, the, uh, there was a little video playing highlights of, of, uh, the, the cup win, uh, obviously very meaningful, uh, for the players. Um, but beyond, uh, Arturi Lekkanen, um, there was two other Canadians connections, uh, because of uh, the criteria that they used, uh, they they wanted to give a ring to every player who had contributed throughout the season to the Colorado Avalanche as long as they played one game in the lineup, except if you had not finished the the season with the Colorado Avalanche. So Justin Barron, now um, now Canadians uh, uh, property and 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 in Laval. He played two games for Colorado, but didn't finish the season. He was part of that deadline deal uh, to take uh, Arturi Lekkanen there. 
Um, so didn't finish the season, so didn't get a ring. However, Stefan Matteau, we remember Stefan Matteau with uh, St. John's and Laval. He played one game for Colorado, finished with the organization in the minors, um, but Stefan Matteau, because of that one game, and we remember his father, Stefan Matteau, also played for the Canadians, is, uh, gets a ring uh, as part of the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup celebration. Well, uh, too bad for Justin Barron, but uh, maybe he'll be able to do the same thing uh, for Montreal and finally receive a ring here. We'll That's see what happens there. But, uh, you know, good for uh, guys like Stefan Maito for contributing and being a part of that team, even though they didn't play too much. It's uh, definitely a good keepsake. For sure. So coming up, uh, we'll hear from our sponsors, DraftKings, and then we'll get on to our big topic segment. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Now, you know, we cover the Habs here. Uh, but, you know, for me personally, I'm a fan of hockey in general. So I love to use DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, you know, to set up uh, kind of some my my favorite picks for, for opening weekend and see if we could get some same-gate parlays going on. In fact, if it's not enough excitement for you to bet that $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. That's what I like to do. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and and lots more options for your shot at an even bigger payout. Now, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. I use it. It's so much fun. Uh, and I don't make big bets. I bet like 25 cents at a time. Like it's it, it's very reasonable. And you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. And with me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss a single episode. And as teased in the, the first segment, this is going to be all about offense. We're titling this segment Reshaping Habs Offense. Uh, when Martin St. Louis was hired last season, it was a bit of a surprise uh, that he would get a the head coaching job. But one of the things that he could potentially do is... Uh, help out the Montreal Canadiens with offense. He was a very prolific offensive player while he was playing, but 
can he find a way to inspire the team to play the way he did? Uh, scoring has seemingly been a struggle for the Habs coming into this season. It was a bit of a struggle last season, although it improved as things went along. After getting shut out by the Red Wings in last night's affair, um, I think we're going to have to take a deep dive into these Habs offensive woes. Yeah, I think, um, and and it's not it it's it, it's not um, unreasonable to take a look now. And and I know that uh, we're just two games into the season when we record this, and and maybe uh, when you're listening to this, the Canadians have played a couple more, and and. And maybe there's been an offensive explosion along the way. However, there are some uh, inherent ways of way in, in inherent flaws uh, in the way that the Canadians are producing offense, um, and it's just so different from from how uh, they've they've put to, been able to generate offense in the past. And and it's not just two games, as we said, the preseason it was. It was very difficult generating scoring chances. It was very difficult uh, generating goals. Um, and, you know, part of that is uh, and can be attributed to, we complained about it, um, a lack of chemistry because uh, the lines were in a constant blender and, and there wasn't an opportunity to build chemistry. Fair enough. However, uh, that doesn't explain the lack of chemist, the lack of of uh, offense from the top line. The top line uh, has chemistry. The top line was together last year. Uh, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Josh Anderson. Uh, they've had a tough time. They've been um, underwater when it terms to when in terms of creating scoring chances in the first two games. Uh, that they played, uh, and 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 we're talking five on five here. Yes, Cole Caulfield scored, uh, and and uh, in the preseason too, scored on the power play, and that's one of the ways that you can generate offense. But you need that five on five offense uh, to not only score goals but to draw penalties uh, for the power play. Um, so there there are some issues here, um, and and it's worth taking a. A closer look at them, um, and and what a Marty St. Louis offense uh, is, how it's designed, and how it's different uh, from what we've seen in the past. Because in in that case, it's very different. We we went through a um, kind of a a, a long term where we were used to seeing the same thing: Terrian, uh, Michelle Terrian, uh, Claude Julien, even Dom Ducharme. Uh, they they generated offense the same kind of way. Uh, it was a possession game that was um, particularly under Claude Julian. He preached uh, possession hockey. He preached getting uh, uh, shots uh, directed towards the net. And, and his philosophy was take a bunch of shots, take lots of shots, uh, and um, you know from all over the ice, even in bad positions, um, and, uh, eventually, eventually something's going to go in. Um, and, and Claude Julian's system was also, uh, to outwork his opponent. It's one of the reasons he stressed having four lines that, uh, were kind of, um, you know, indistinguishable, uh, from each other. They all needed to work hard. They all needed to outwork the uh, opponent. They all needed to, uh, contribute to the offense, and that was because mostly uh, the Canadians were dealing with, throughout that tenure, Mark 
Bergevin's inability to add skilled players. There was a lack of skilled players. Uh, so rather than outskill your opponent, you had to outwork your opponent. But that's a very draining uh, kind of uh, a system to to um, to operate and 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 to execute. Um, and it it wasn't well as we've seen uh, the the success of the last few years has been kind of up and down. Um, that system, in addition to being you know spread out over four lines, relied on a, a heavy forecheck to create turnovers. It, it required the team to create turnovers in the neutral zone. Um, and you saw a lot of point shots and and uh, and uh, deflections or or rebound goals in front. That's I, I you know for for listeners who have been with us a long time, they recognize all those aspects of a Claude Julian and, and clone it um, a Michelle Terrian or or Dom Ducharme uh, offense. And uh, Marty St. Louis has completely different ideas. Yeah, as we heard from Derek Lalonde in segment one, Montreal is a team that can be very good on the rush. That's uh, They have a lot of good, fast skaters. They have a lot of like sneakily good snipers. But as soon as you shut that down, it seems like they really struggle to get anything else going. Um, when I think about what Martin St. Louis was as a player, you know, small but kind of sneaky. Like I said, a, a good shot. Uh, he's got some speed, kind of a little buzzsaw. You can see where that might be relatable to a guy like a Cole Caulfield, and we've seen Caulfield have some success generating offense. Maybe that helps out of Monaghan a little bit, but uh, for guys like Slavkovsky and Kirby Doc, I don't know that that's necessarily a relatable thing for them to be able to do. Do you think that uh, Martin St. Louis is going to be able to adjust and uh, coach players that aren't quite like him? Well, when and, and that's a that's a good point. Players who are not like him, and we know that that last season, in his limited coaching, um, uh, you know, resume, uh, he came in with no experience. So how do you how do you coach? Well, you coach like you played, uh, and we heard we still hear him say, "Well, um, when I was playing, we did this." When I, and he he relates everything quite personally. Um, so who, who excelled last, last season, Cole Caulfield, Cole Caulfield. And, and that's celebrated amongst Canadians, the Canadians fan base as it should, uh, that Cole Caulfield was a completely different player, um, after, uh, Dom Ducharme, uh, was replaced. Uh, and, and, you know, you can, you can see that there is, uh, that Cole Caulfield can relate to the way that Marty St. Louis coaches. Rem Pitlick is another one. Uh, who 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 can play the way that that Marty St. Louis wants them to play? Nick Suzuki, to a certain extent, Mike Hoffman is another one. All of these players are players who you're not going to find winning board battles. Who are you're going to find going in like an Arturi Lekkinen and and uh, creating turnovers or dislodging the puck or stealing or or re- puck recovery. Um, Cole Caulfield is not going to recover many pucks um, after a, a strong forecheck. Rem Pitlick neither. Um, so that's that. Those were the the players that he was uh, successful with. And and yes, uh, the ability to score off the rush was was king. Um, but uh, that's not exactly how. 
uh, offense, or, or not solely. That's not, you know, primarily how offense is created in the NHL right now. Uh, you look at, at the, you know, it's a, a copycat kind of league. And, um, you know, you look at, at teams like Colorado, like um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and, uh, you know, they are teams that, that win battles all over the ice, that pressure all over the ice. Um, and, and in this situation, uh, the game that we saw on Friday night, uh, the, the creating offense off the rush, it was easily shut down uh, by a team that, um, you know, didn't have a great defensive record last year. The Detroit Red Wings and the Montreal Canadiens were both at the, at, uh, near the bottom of the league when it came to uh, defensive play. But, um, you know, you bring in a coach who is able to install a system and, uh, you know, what we see in Tampa Bay over the years is they had, they brought in a lot of skill and, and they had a, a strict structure. We know that Marty St. Louis hates structure. He said structure boxes players in. We need to let them think for themselves. And maybe in his day that that's correct. Um, but that isn't how the NHL works now. And also you can't be one dimensional. You can't be a one trick pony. Otherwise, um, Otherwise, you're you're um, you're you're setting up the situation where you can be easily shut down, especially if you're not willing to make in-game adjustments. And we've seen in the first two games that the, you know, as you mentioned, the the lines that have been most successful are the ones who are playing physical, are the ones who are winning battles. Um, Kirby Doc and and uh, Sean Monahan have been very very good together, uh, really quite good together. And um, you know, I'm. I'm not necessarily sold that 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 Mike Hoffman is the right winger for that for that trio, um, but um, you know if they get another another player uh, on that line like them, uh, they're going to be dynamite. And and those are the kinds of lines uh, that I think can be successful. Not necessarily the kind of lines that uh, Marty St. Louis can relate to or that he would find himself on uh, during his playing career. So the Montreal Canadiens last season were 27th in the NHL for goals per game, and they were 32nd in goals against. Um, is this something that we think is going to improve? I'm not sure. Uh, when you look at how Allen has played in the first two games so far, he's been great. He's been lights out. I don't think we can expect Allen to bail out this team every single game and give them a decent opportunity to win. It's uh, probably not something that... Uh, I don't think any goalie is going to be able to do that unless uh, you're an Igor Shesterkin or an Andre Vasilevsky, unfortunately. But uh, for Montreal, you hope that they can get something going in the offensive zone. Uh, they're definitely going to need to be better than 27th in the NHL for goals per game. I don't know that they have a strong enough uh, defensive structure to be able to get the puck out of their zone and make those big breakout passes that leads to those... Uh, I guess like either break away or break in opportunities that Martin St. Louis seems to really try to go for uh, more often than not Montreal gives up a lot of shots against and they get stuck in their own zone for long stretches. So unfortunately, if you're trying to generate uh, offense, you, you can't just go five, 10 minutes in between shots and not be able to get into that offensive zone for uh, as long periods of time. 
I'll uh, point out as well, uh, for those who like advanced stats, uh, Montreal, their Corsi through the first two games, 44.6%. It's a little bit higher than I thought it was going to be, but if you're under 50% in that, that means that your team is not controlling the game very well, and that means that the other team has held a possession a lot better. Yeah, those are all really good points. Um, the, the difficulty... Uh, here is that um, I, I think there's there was a misperception, at least I, I heard it a lot in the texts we received and the emails we received, the posts to uh, our Facebook, our All Habs Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash All Habs. A lot of fans and, and some media, I should say, some pundits thought that the Canadians were going to be a team that would easily score goals. And and maybe part of that was uh, based on the way Marty St. Louis coach, coaches. But many fans thought they were going to uh, easily score goals. But, you know, uh, with the rookies on defense, with the, the issues in goaltending, that they would just be outscored. They would lose a lot of games, 6-5, uh, you know, 7-4, that sort of thing. Um, but we haven't seen that play out, not early, not not in the preseason, the first two games uh, we've seen. Um, you know, as you said, it's been it's been left to Jake Allen in the first two games. And Jake Allen, um, you know, maybe in his prime when he was a bona fide number one goaltender, um, could carry this on for a stretch. Uh, but we've seen in the past that uh, when he's receives a lot of shots when when he plays a lot he's it looks like we're not sure it looks like he might uh, play a black back to back um and and have his third start in a row when he plays a lot uh he starts to break down and his body starts to break down um and so it's something that that he can't maintain so um this i think is an open question what's going to improve uh first offense or defense Likely, the Canadians have a fair bit of skill up front, uh, and so likely it's the offense uh, that's going to uh, improve first. But I think it's going to be the recognition by Marty St. Louis that he has to bring it. You know, we know he doesn't like to play. If he was playing, personally, he doesn't like a structure, but he's going to have to recognize that his team requires uh, 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 more structure than, than he's implemented so far. Yeah, if you want to take a look over at uh, their power play, uh, since we're talking a little bit about structure, uh, Montreal was 31st in the league last season. Uh, right now, through two games, well, if you want to go game by game, uh, against uh, Toronto, they were 0-4. Against Detroit, they were 0-3. They're yet to come through on the power play, uh, which is not good, especially when you have a guy like Caulfield, who should be a bit of a power play specialist. Uh, something needs to adjust there. And uh, like we were mentioning, uh, since Montreal's a team that seems to like to try and generate offense off the rush on the power play, that's not really an option. You want to be able to have structure and get set up in the other team's zone. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, even when, well, even off the power play at five on five, you, you definitely want to get some zone time. Uh, it's not going to be every single night that uh, you're going to be playing against a weak Toronto defense and a not uh, very great Matt Murray, uh, as you saw against Detroit, uh, when a team has some good structure and uh, some decent goaltending, Montreal is getting shut down way too easily. And and part of it is uh, Alex Burroughs is is inexperienced. He's in charge of the the power play. Um, he came, We remember when he was promoted from Laval, he came in with... Uh, one, 
uh, one formation uh, that was successful for about a week, and then folks uh, around the league said, "Okay, we know how to shut that down." And and that was all that that limited experience. That's all Alex had in his bag. Um, and and uh, the the power play has been uh, mired at the bottom of the league since then. Uh, what I think is missing is you're right. Structure number one. You need that uh, to to establish yourself uh, in the offensive zone on the on the power play. And the other thing is puck movement. That the Canadians are very slow moving the puck, and that obviously has to improve for them to um, to improve the power play. But having said that, um, you know, first they have to be playing uh, with the puck. They have to be playing good offense to draw the penalties to give themselves uh, play um, power play opportunities. Um, but if they were able to do that, if they were able to uh, implement some structure and, and, and quicker puck movement, you know, for a team at the bottom of the standings who may not be able to compete five on five, uh, the power play is the great equalizer. So it would be a way of, of uh, quickly improving their offense, especially with a sniper with, with, with um, power play specialists like Cole Caulfield or Mike Hoffman. One of the things I will point out, because we did talk about, uh, I guess, possession and having that good power play, Montreal's actually been great on the face-off circle. Uh, against Detroit, they were 59%. Against Toronto, they were 51%. Oftentimes, uh, winning face-offs will lead to being able to have possession and being able to get off to a good start uh, in the offensive zone. Do you think the fact that Montreal's been slow to move the puck is the reason why maybe they're doing well in the face-off circle, but not very well at hanging on to that puck. Yeah, it's possible. And, and also, um, you know, proceeding the same way each time, um, you you have the puck, and then you, you take your rush opportunity and you take your shot uh, from a bad shooting uh, place, and, and you've given up that puck. Uh, so they're not making the most of it once they have the possession, and they're not uh, right now. They don't have the structure or the personnel uh, to go in and win those uh, battles to retrieve the puck. Um, so that's that's a difficulty. Um, I, you know, I think that that all of that will kind of get worked out. I, I I hope that all of that will will get worked out. Um, I think Cole Caulfield's going to get his goals. I think um, Suzuki's going to get his points. Um, you know, Josh Anderson is streaky. Um, in, in his play um, and he'll contribute and, the, and, and at some times there's going to be somebody else uh, on that right side uh, replacing Josh Anderson. Um, you know, Brendan Gallagher has been pretty good uh, the first uh, two games. He looks uh, rejuvenated. He looks healthy. As I said, I really like the play of Sean Monaghan um, and uh, uh, you know, if, if he can have a good first part to the season, and uh, and and improve his trade value. He's going to be a a, a really valuable asset come the trade deadline. Um, but as far as as you know, contributing to that offense, Caulfield, Suzuki, Hoffman, um, Anderson, Gallagher. We mentioned all. Um, even now, he hasn't had a very good start. But Dadenoff, and you know him better than uh, than we do. Uh, but he is capable of contributing to the offense. Yeah, Dadanov is somebody that should be able to get 20 goals. Uh, sitting on the fourth line, I'm not so sure that he will be able to. He might need to adjust his role a little bit. 
uh, be used in different scenarios. Uh, so far, he's not looked great, unfortunately. Uh, one of the guys that I think could take over in the Ozone and could potentially turn things around offensively for Montreal is Slavkovsky, but that is also contingent on whether or not Slavkovsky is actually NHL ready right now. Um, so far, and I, I don't mean to keep being negative about every single thing, but Slavkovsky has looked a little bit slow and I've not seen him generate really any chances in that ozone. Yeah, he's, um, he's had his moments, um, but you know, uh, it's, it's difficult to trust him out there. Um, especially, uh, given his play, um, his difficulty, uh, away from the puck, um, it's been pretty evident so far is that, uh, he's got a lot of learning to do and that's okay. He's, he's 18 years old. Um, and, and I think it's clear, um, or at least it's, it's clear to me that if there wasn't injuries, um, uh, that he would have started the season in Laval and likely when Yol Armia comes back, um, that's going to mean, um, that's going to signal, um, Slavkovsky uh, going and uh, down to Laval, and I think, as I said last last week, that um, the Canadians kind of can Hughes dodge that controversial bullet. Uh, that yes, Slavkovsky was able to be there for opening night and enjoy, and and, uh, and the Canadians were able to celebrate the first overall pick being part of the lineup for opening night. Uh, and it's you know before the. The the 10-game mark, if he's sent to Laval, I think they'll um, that, that Canadians fans will accept that and, and accept the fact that uh, it's probably the best place for him because, um, you know, it's, it's no sense him playing 9 or 10 minutes a game. And, and uh, you know, don't complain about uh, Marty St. Louis using him more often. He's just not, at, at this point, a player that you can uh, trust out there. Now, I want to take a look at uh, offense and maybe starts from defense. I mentioned before that uh, Montreal has struggled to get the puck out of their own zone. They don't have too many weapons on that back end outside of maybe a wideman. Uh, if Matheson wasn't out long term, I think he could be a, a good puck mover for them to help generate some offense. But uh, Montreal really seems to be lacking uh, in <laughs> that uh, defense department. Being so young, I don't think you can really count on a Keaton Gooley to be a guy that's going to start generating offense right away. Uh, Petrie was a pretty big loss on the back end. He was probably their best offensive defenseman, their best puck mover back there. So not having that around is a huge hit to Montreal. And that's something that also impacts what their power play is. If they don't have a good defenseman that can quarterback that power play, it's, uh, they're not going to be able to do a whole lot, are they? No, that's absolutely right. And um, the Mike Matheson being out for the first two months is is a big blow because he was expected not only to take the minutes uh, that Jeff Petrie uh, was was playing, but also the role in 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 being puck moving uh, defenseman, uh, contributing to the offensive five on five, and being a, a part of the the power play. Um, now, where do you go? Um, you know, it's not David Savard. Um, uh, you're, you're not going to get a lot of, of, uh, and, and no knock on him. That's, that's not his, that's not his game. And he's been doing a fine job on the back end. Um, you know, Joel Edmondson, when he comes back, uh, not his game either. Um, 
Caden Gooley, uh, you know, he moves he moves well. He skates better than most people give him credit for. Uh, offense, not necessarily his game. Although he had three goals in the preseason, uh, which was second to, to Cole Caulfield, I believe. Um, Justin Barron, maybe, um, but in Laval now, and, and uh, um, he's probably going to spend a bit of time there. And Jordan Harris, I think Jordan Harris has been great. He was great in the preseason. Uh, he took over uh, last night when, on Friday night when Caden um, uh, Gooley had to go out of the game. Uh, he's been all and more, but offense is not necessarily um, his um, his cup of tea. And we heard Jeff Gorton say um, in his interview that what this team lacks is a number one uh, defense, elite defenseman who can contribute offensively and can run their power play. So that's still on the wish list uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and uh, we've already seen evidence of that. So uh, just looking uh, through the Twitter timeline here, it sounds like we're going to get Jonathan Drouin in tonight and that Rem Pitlick's going to come out. Uh, Pitlick, normally a pretty good offensive player, hasn't looked great so far. In the preseason, he was all right, but uh, during the regular season, I don't think either one of us has been super impressed with him. So I'll pose this question to you. What should be done with Jonathan Drouin and what should be done with Uri Slavkovsky? Well, I, yeah, Slavkovsky, I think it's it's easy that um, once Army is back, uh, I think Slavkovsky goes to Laval and, and uh, give him a lot of minutes and, and let him get used to, um, let him work on play, his play away from, from the puck. Um, with Jonathan Drouin, um, you know, there's been one excuse after another since he's uh, was... Um, acquired and 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 promises of of the great things that he did uh, when he was in junior hockey and he's come nowhere near that and it hasn't just been injuries it um, it's been I don't know he he just uh, there's been a just a lack of of engagement and and um, you know coming back he's he proclaimed that he was healthy um, and um and, and ready and, and ready to show and, and, and talked about, uh, well, I haven't had a, a coach like uh, Marty St. Louis to play for. You just watch uh, me this year. Uh, he said that uh, his one goal for the season was to play 82 games. Well, that one is gone already. Um, and, you know, in the preseason, I think he played twice in the preseason. He, didn't, he looked completely disinterested. He looked slow. Um, he looked, uh, even less engaged in, in, um, in their own zone. Um, really, really disappointed. I, I mean, expectations were pretty low as it was for Jonathan Duran. Um, really disappointed uh, with him so far. Um, you know, if anything, if he doesn't care about the Montreal Canadiens, uh, and doesn't feel that he has a future with them, he's in a contract year. He's playing for next year. He's playing for... Uh, a place to play next year. Um, you think that he would he would show more, and and maybe he will uh, when he gets an opportunity in the regular season to get in the lineup. But we certainly haven't seen that so far. And um, is is Jonathan Duran going to be moved during the season? Um, we can only hope because uh, that would free up some cap space, and 
and that would free up a, a, a position for um, maybe a call-up from the AHL. Um, but that's going to be a real, real difficult trade for Kent Hughes to make, uh, given the way he's playing, given, given his enormous contract, a contract that he's come nowhere near to uh, fulfilling uh, since it was signed. So uh, perhaps, um, you know, it's just going to be, uh, it's going to, his time in, in Montreal is going to end uh, with a whimper rather than a bang. And that would be at the end of the season when uh, he's just not re-signed. Um, but I don't, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to be proven wrong, but uh, I don't see a whole lot coming from Jonathan Duran this season. Yeah, so he'll have a chance tonight. I imagine he probably slots in on that fourth line where Pitlick was. Um, like you said, if Jonathan Duran wants an NHL contract next season, or better yet, if he wants to maybe get traded to a cup contending team that could use a forward, he's going to have to really step up his game here. Uh, he's got an opportunity on that fourth line. Hopefully he finds some sort of role with himself. Otherwise... You know, I, I imagine that Martin St. Louis would have no problem rolling out his pit licks or even plugging in uh, a Michael Pozzetta in that position every now and then. So it is what it is for Jonathan Druin. And uh, you just, like you said, you hope for the best. So in terms of uh, offense, uh, do you have any final words that you want to add in? Well, I think that um, Marty St. Louis said uh, on Friday night that he had learned a lesson. Uh, he, he, that, that, that was a game where he had learned a lesson and, and yes, he was, he was uh, clearly outcoached in that game and there's going to be, uh, lessons for players. There's going to be lessons for coaches. I think that he should have learned, um, a, a lesson about preparation. He lo- should have learned a lesson about in-game adjustments. He should have learned a lesson about structure. Um, and, and if, if he can learn and, and, uh, you know, Marty St. Louis is very competitive, uh, and and uh, it was Steve Eisenman who said, um, no, he doesn't have any coaching experience, but he'll figure it out because of his drive and the fact that he's so competitive. Uh, well, if he can figure it out, if he can learn uh, through, this, through this season uh, and implement uh, some of those things that, that are kind of foreign to him, that, that, that aren't the way that he played, uh, then I think that'll be very positive. Well, if Iserman says it, then uh, you know what? I can get behind that because Iserman <laughs> is right about everything. Exactly. The Iserman uh, <laughs> Exactly. And you know what? I think now will be a great time to take our final break on the Canadians Connection. Stay with us. It's the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 213 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Please make sure you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you check out the website, canadiansconnection.com. We also have a Rocket Sports text line. You can text us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't matter. 5853-ROCKET. And, uh... Well, we went through a lot of offense discussion in that last segment. It was pretty fun to go through and analyze that. And uh, let's see what uh, these Montreal Canadiens can do tonight against Washington. And we also want to hear from you. Um, you can, uh, as as Michael said, send us a text, send us an email, info at allhabs.net, or head to one of uh, the, our social media platforms, whether you prefer Instagram, whether you prefer Twitter, or our rather large all habs community uh on facebook uh, facebook.com slash all habs and uh, share your opinions uh, with us yeah so this is a segment where uh, we definitely want to hear from you we have our canadians connection question of the week coming up momentarily but first uh, it's uh, it's difficult to keep track of these montreal canadians and the laval rocket and everything else that goes with that and we want to help you stay up to date it's going to be a long season of course Make sure you head over to the All Habs magazine at allhabs.net. You can check out Chris G's Habs notepad that comes out every Monday. He gives you a detailed explanation of everything that has happened and sets you up for your week. We also have our Habs headlines that come out as they happen. Please make sure you're also checking out our game previews and post-game reviews that we're going to do for all 82 games of this regular season. Uh, We started with the recaps and the preseason and uh, as we go along through this season you're not going to want to miss any of our write-ups that we do for those also a newer rocket sports contributor and uh, gustav he put out an article recently called rookies all around it's a great read and uh, what did you think about this one rick it is a great read and we we we've talked uh, a lot about uh the rookies in the lineup or at least the the lack of experience in the lineup but um, Gustav reminded us uh, that that there's also um, 
a lack of experience behind the bench and that it's a learning curve for them too. Um, so a fascinating read, a really interesting perspective, and you're going to want to read it at allhabs.net. Also, if you're looking for something to catch you up on Habs News in the midweek, head over to YouTube. All Habs Magazine is uh, the page you're looking for. And every Thursday, Amy Johnson hosts the Habs Hockey Report. This last week's episode is entitled Nowhere to Go But Up. Make sure you check that out and you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you like what you saw, leave a like, uh, send in a comment. Uh, Amy is great at engaging with all her viewers. And if you write something that she likes enough, she might even read it on air. So make sure you do that. Uh, Amy Johnson is a wonderful host and uh, what a better way to catch up on Habs News in the midweek. And uh, if you're looking for, if you have someone hockey-minded in your household um, and you're looking for Christmas ideas, there's one on, there's a Zamboni-related idea that I think is is fabulous that you're going to want to check out on, on, uh, that's youtube.com slash allhabs for the Habs Hockey Report. It's a shame they don't make that Zamboni in my size. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll let it go for now. Uh, also, please make sure you're checking out all our Rocket Sports Radio podcasts every Saturday. Uh, it's the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, we were there all throughout the summer. We were there all throughout September and training camp in the preseason. We'll be here all through the season to keep you up to date on everything Montreal Canadiens. So please hit that subscribe button and uh, let all your friends know if you like what you hear. Also, if you like prospects, if you like the Laval Rocket, make sure you tune into the Press Zone. Uh, Every week, it's going to be Amy and Patrick. They host the AHL Hot Stove. It's a great listen. It keeps you up to date with all the prospects from around the league. The Montreal Canadiens are now a prospect-focused organization, and that makes uh, the Press Zone even that more, much more significant. And uh, you want to get all of your information about prospects from thepresszone.fm. And finally, do you like doing writing? Are you a passionate hockey fan? Do you love the Habs? Do you do content creation of some kind? Uh, We want to hear from you. Uh, We're looking to recruit for a Rocket Sports team. Uh, We've had a few new recruits come in, one of those uh, being Gustav, who's put out a few articles so far, Adam as well. Uh, So if you're interested in joining us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Rick, where can people go uh, to reach out to us? Go to the All Habs Hockey Magazine website. That's allhabs.net. And look for the join our team uh, tab uh, and there's an explanation and uh, a form for you to fill out there. Uh, Adam and Gustav have been great uh, contributing uh, new contributing writers. Nathan uh, is a community manager on Facebook and, and uh, sharing uh, our content with uh, the Facebook uh, community. Uh, Three new uh, great members of our team. And that's uh, in addition to the, uh, rather active team we already have. Uh, we're, we have a lot of fun and uh, and we like to provide um, content that, that our community uh, can trust. So now it's our Canadians Connection question of the week. Will Druin find a regular role on this team this season? That ties in nicely because we're going to get a look at Jonathan Druin tonight uh, against the Washington Capitals. And uh, his contract's coming up. So we want to know, do you think he'll find a regular role on this team this season? It's a good question. Jonathan Duran, uh, how does he carve out? Um, how does he make himself special? How does he, ma- how does he impress Marty St. Louis? How does he work hard 
uh, harder than other players of the same um, skill set? Um, and and how does uh, he impress other teams who may be interested in trading for him or signing him next year? How does Jonathan Duran find a regular role on the Montreal Canadiens this season? We want to hear from you. Yep, so make sure you head over to the All Habs Facebook page and uh, let us know. We have some important upcoming dates for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, obviously, tonight, October the 15th, it's Montreal in Washington. That's a 7 p.m. start. Um, Charlie Lindgren played very well for Washington the other night. Don't think he's in tonight, but it'll be nice to see uh, what he's been up to. And then over on October the 17th, it's the return of Jeff Petrie. The Pittsburgh Penguins will come to Montreal. That's another 7 p.m. start. And watch out for this matchup on October the 20th. Arizona comes to Montreal. I know we're all excited about this one. Uh, It's another 7 p.m. start and uh, looking forward to all of these games. Jeff Petrie, um, he's being appreciated by the fans and also his teammates in Pittsburgh. It was Sidney Crosby in their first game that, uh, you know, each team in, in, in Montreal used to be a Cape Shea Weber would, uh, the player of the game as chosen by the, the players themselves chosen by the teammates, uh, in Pittsburgh, it's a, it's a mask of some kind. Um, and, uh, Jeff Petrie was the, uh, player that, uh, Sidney Crosby chose the other night and he got to wear the mask and, uh, they said that that he has a new nickname, not very, uh, you know, not very inventive. Uh, JP is his nickname in Pittsburgh, but he'll be uh, in Montreal uh, this week for his return. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Please make sure you subscribe to Canadians Connection in the player or on your favorite podcasting apps. You can also share on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, October the 22nd for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.